and it sounds really like I'm a mixed personality, split personality. It's not. It sounds draining. It is draining. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the very first episode of Life with a Y for 2023. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Daryl Prail. Daryl works as a CMO at Agora Pulse, a French company that makes social media management software, but he's been working in the worlds of sales and marketing for over 30 years. When I was doing my research on Daryl, I noticed that a lot of his content is very slick. It's very well produced, it seems very professional and clean. And I was wondering what it is about being clean, tidy, presentable, that's important to Daryl. Now those are the kinds of questions that I expected to ask during today's session. But instead, we get this story of someone who has learned to present a very specific persona to the world in order to provide for the people that he loves. In this episode, we talk about Daryl being an introvert, playing the role of an extrovert. We talk about his family struggles, his leadership styles, and how all of these come together into one big game of chess. We get quite deep towards the end of this episode, and we really uncover Daryl's why. So, let's jump into it. Daryl, thank you for, for joining us today uh, on the show. Um, a lot of people will sort of have a general idea as to who you are. Without going into the CV points, though, uh, who are you to you? Who's Daryl Prell? Uh, who's Daryl Prell? That's a very philosophical question, Brian. Uh, Daryl Prell, uh, years ago, I was asked to write my obituary. It's part of a little counseling session I had. And if you ever want to know who the hell you are, that's the exercise. Write your obit. So in when I wrote my obit, I said, Daryl Prell is a father. He's a, he's a husband. He, uh, he has two great kids, an amazing wife at this point in time of 30 plus years. Uh, he's got a wonderful standard schnauzer named Velvet. And generally, he's a guy that's been very lucky in his life with a lot of amazing people, love and affection, and who just gets up every day, puts his pants on like everybody else, and prays to God that no one realizes that he's an actual imposter. So that's Daryl Prale. But on a professional side, I am a chief marketing officer, a former chief revenue officer, and I'm just a guy who loves B2B SaaS and all things revenue related. So there you have it. That's a lot that you've got out there. Um, if you were to use like a couple of different words to describe yourself, what would those be? Opinionated. That's what I'm, I'm getting there. I'm thinking of like, because a couple is, you can never ask a marketer to give you a couple. We don't do that. We do lots. We do, it's all about SEO, brother. Um, <laughs> so, but we do opinionated. We will do um, energetic. We will do flamboyant. We will do uh, no nonsense, and we will do um, personable. Opinionated, energetic, flamboyant, no nonsense, and personable. And those words don't go together, right? You're no nonsense and you're personable? Not possible. I cry bullshit, Prail. No, there's a big difference between uh, being direct and being rude. That's... Uh... I, I, I know a lot of direct people who are no-nonsense who are really, really good people. Um, sometimes those things are, are, are conflated. Um, but it's this, there's a, with those five words you've given me, right, 
There's a lot of intelligence, so no nonsense opinionated. Things have to be a, a specific way or, or black and white. Um, there's energetic, so there's a lot of energetic and flamboyancy. It tells me a little bit of, of performance. It gives me a little bit of kind of like an, an entertaining piece to you. Um, and the personable yes, very already much so. very much tells me about the relationships yeah. that, are, that are important to you. Um, with all of those together, what do you think people are, what words do you think people would use behind your back? Oh, okay. Yeah, or is, or is this an R-rated recording or is this a PG-rated do what you recording? Gotta do. So do what you got to do. I'm Irish. <laughs> Whatever I got to do. I, I'm one quarter Irish, brother. That's great. Um, okay. So what words would they use behind my back? That's a great question. I like that. It's a question I actually think about all the time in the context of how do I interact with my staff, with my clients, uh, et cetera. So they would probably say the following. Uh, Daryl has a strong opinion. Daryl is bold bold in the sense of he says stuff that maybe I would never say. They would say Daryl is an asshole. They would say Daryl is driven. Daryl is highly competitive. Daryl is uh, fun. Daryl is uh, smart. Daryl is a good marketer. Daryl doesn't tolerate fools well. Uh, Daryl can be impatient. Daryl's a driver. So there we go. That's probably what they would say. But asshole might also come up a lot. <laughs> dick. Daryl can be a dick. That would come up too. So yes. why do you not think you're a dick? But why do other people think you're a dick? Where's the miscommunication coming there? Oh, I am a dick at times. Is that so? Oh, no, I can tell you. That. So I am a dick at times, but I can tell you why I'm a dick at times. I don't, and I'm, and I'm a dick not to be a dick per se, to be clear in this, but by definition, there are behaviors that I share with an individual I would call a dick, which is I can be that guy who's in your face and says, you said this, and now you're not doing this. You told me you were about that. You said you would perform this. You said you would achieve that. You didn't do it. You didn't tell me. Why not? I'm that guy who wants answers. I want to achieve. So we're going to partner together and I'm going to take you at your word. But if you don't deliver on your side uh, without, so you don't deliver and you don't give me any heads up or you, that you're, you're going to miss your mark or you blame other people for not delivering, then I'm going to call you out on it because that's not a winning culture. That's not the foundation of the partnership when we agreed to work together, whether that's as a, as an employee boss or as colleagues or as partners, there's an implied understanding and trust and relationship. And if you break that trust, I will call you out on it because I can't work with you that way. But if I call you out on it and you say, yes, I dropped the ball, then I'm going to be the guy that says, okay, so now you know what I expect. You know, and, and by the way, expect it from me as well. This is a two way street. Where do we go from here? So not everybody likes to be called out. And that's why they would call me a dick. People do not like to be held accountable, generally speaking. And that's where I could be called a dick. So it's funny that when we talk about other, we, we talked about other people calling you a, a dick, the only scenario that really came to mind for you was someone else not fulfilling their side of an agreement and you hold them accountable to that. Yes. Because people's fra- egos are fragile. People's egos are fragile. People's egos are... Has that happened a lot where people... All the time. All the time. I mean, the best way to think about it is this. Like, so whenever I have changed 
roles or I've changed jobs. So for example, I started at this company about seven months ago. Um, I have to come in and I have to set a tone, a culture. They brought me in, they hired me because they had certain problems, performance problems, uh, output problems, achievement problems that they wanted to address. That's why I was hired. So then my job is to go in there and create clear expectations, make sure we have alignment, make sure they understand how they're being measured, make sure they are equipped to achieve it, make sure that they're bought in to achieve that, that they believe they can achieve it, whether that's through staffing, budget, skills, whatever it might be. And that they were then move forward on this trusted relationship and achieve it. And then when they don't do it, it's my job to call them out and hold them accountable. That's the case no matter where you are when you start a new role or start a new company. I did it again at VanillaSoft where I was, you know, first CMO, I had to do it. Then I became the chief revenue officer, I had to do it again. And if you don't do that, then the team will never coalesce. The team will be lost. The team will be a collection of individual personalities working at odds with one another. But if they understand there's accountability, then the team will work together. The team will understand the rules of engagement. The challenge is to get that alignment, to create that culture, you have to hold the first handful of people accountable. So the rest of the team goes, oh shit, there's a consequence if we don't do as he wants us to do. Okay, and then they fall in line. It sounds bad. The problem, the upside though is once they realize that those rules are not constraints, I'm not trying to shape you and mold you into something you're not. I'm not trying to hold you back. Rather, I'm trying to have a shared set of values, a shared set of expectations, a shared set of communications. Then all of a sudden their job becomes 10x more fun and more rewarding because they understand the rules of engagement and can work within it to achieve their goals and know that they're supported. So yes, people call me a dick. Yes, it's part and parcel. And it's all because a lot of people do not like to be held accountable. And in my case, when I change jobs, I figure those people out very quickly and I exit them. And all it means is that they could be incredibly talented people. They're just not the right people on my team. That's it. Daryl is a dick for the greater good. Daryl's a dick. And it, it's got great alliteration, doesn't it? Daryl the dick. I mean, who doesn't want to say that over and over again? It's no different than in a relationship, right? Now, the difference in a relationship, like with my spouse, there's a good example, right? I can't be a dick to my spouse, <laughs> right? But I can, I can hold them accountable to agreed upon and shared expectations, as can they with me. And it's amazing how when we are young, like so my wife and I, we got married young, all right? We got, I was three days past my 22nd birthday when we got married. So, and if you right. want to do the math folks, it's been 33 years of marriage. So I'll let you figure out my age if you're really good. So there we go. How we, how we dealt with conflict and misaligned expectations in our twenties is dramatically different than how we do it today. So what happened? Well, what happened was along the way, we had lots of fights and lots of misunderstandings. And what would happen is my wife would say, you know, Daryl, this is, this is funny, but it's a true point. She goes, you're a stickler for words. We're, I've learned that words mean something to you that they don't to me. And I'm like, what? She goes, well, I'll come in here and I'll say to, I'll say, uh, I'm really tired. And you say nothing. 
Uh-huh. And she goes, and the reason you say nothing, which drives me nuts, is because your response to me is when I say, why, why aren't you responding to me? Why aren't we having a conversation? And I, my response is, well, you didn't ask me a question. You made a statement. I'm tired. Okay. I'm tired. How about you? Oh, well, thanks for asking. I'm tired too. I said, so you learned this dance. So with my wife, I, I know because there's, um, I'm not going to be, the plan is not <laughs> to trade my spouse in for another spouse. Uh, and my plan is to have a long term, decades long, multiple decades long relationships. So I need to work a little harder. Whereas in the corporate setting, uh, I'm put on a very tight timeline to produce results. Usually I need results within a quarter or two. Therefore, I have to simply move faster and make sure we all in an agreement and we align right away. One of the best things I learned in my marriage that I brought over to my work was communication skills. So I talked about how we we have different styles. And so every five years or so, my wife and go, my, my wife and I go on this. A, a marriage retreat somewhere for a day or two, uh, usually out of town with, you know, grab a hotel, have nice meals. And the, the, the setting takes place during the day and it's just a getaway. And I'm not a fan of these. She drags me to them, but I know she's right. And it's just kind of like a refresher course. You change your oil in your car because it's proper maintenance. So every five years ago we or so, we do these maintenance exercises. And I remember years ago we went on this exercise and it was about, the whole retreat was about communication. And, I, and we were like, okay, that's why we had to go because we knew we had these challenges. And I learned such a basic, stupid-ass thing at this two-day retreat. I took away one thing, and this is the one thing. She would say, uh, I don't like when you snore. And I would say this. So what I'm hearing you say is, you don't like when I snore, and you would prefer I dealt with it to reduce the snoring. Am I hearing you right? And she would say, no, you didn't hear me. That's not what I said. Or she would say, yes, that's right. But simply playing back to her what I thought I heard her say, right? How I interpreted her words based on my biases, based on my history, based on my, you know, everything that shapes me as a person. Dramatic shift in our relationship because that allowed us to, because what, what happened is, I don't know if you've ever gone through this, you have a relationship with a spouse or a significant other, you think you're in alignment, and then later on, you realize that you heard two completely different conversations. So by playing it back was a big thing. So now when I go to my staff, they complain, they lament, they express their frustrations or they express their desires or what they want to achieve. I play it back. So what I'm hearing you say is you want to achieve this or you're frustrated with that. Am I getting that right? Um, so it's all about creating alignment. The, difference, the only difference between the two to my relationship and my office is timelines and expectations. My wife is not holding me accountable to drive revenue, uh, and she's not holding me accountable to be perfect within the next quarter or two. Whereas in the office environment, it's very much, you know, as I tell people, the higher up you go in the organization, the closer you are to the exit door. So there is, uh, if I'm not working out because I'm more expensive than the average employee, they will fire me right away and replace me. So everything's a timeline, and to do that, it's about accountability, it's about clear communication, and sometimes it's about being a dick, simply to cut through the chase because we don't have time to waste. It's interesting how when 
so all of this, this whole conversation stemmed from the beginning of what people would, would describe you. And we, we sort of honed in on the word uh, <laughs> people would, would describe you a dick. And most of that comes from uh, the, 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 the corporate setting. Uh, now, when you're talking about your 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 wife uh, telling you, <laughs> or what is it? Uh, I don't like it when you snore, and you know, making those those communication pieces. Uh, I think we all we all um, have had those experiences, whether we want them or not. Uh, <laughs> with that, you you've um, had that with my wife too. Not with your wife. <laughs> not with your wife. No, but. Um, Okay, just making sure we're... So what I'm no. hearing you say is you've not yes. had that with my so wife. Heard okay, me say, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, um, but again, it's it's this accountability piece. Um, and it's it's more of a... When, the, when the, the higher the stakes are, the more essentially you hold yourself accountable to holding someone else accountable. Was that a natural thing? Or did you have to learn to do that? Was, is, is that your in your nature to hold people accountable to their words? Um or no, did you have to learn how to do that? It's it's learned. It's learned. I, I don't like holding people to account per se because it's conflict. And that's what people look at me and they'll say, I get this a lot. I'll get, yeah, but Daryl, I'm not you. You know, you don't you don't seem to have a problem with conflict. And you know, you can do that. I can't do that. You know, it scares me, it bothers me, it makes me yeah, I feel yucky inside, nauseous, whatever. Anxiety inducing. I I can't do it. And I sell them, I said, I I can't do it either. You know, I don't want to do it. I dislike conflict immensely. I will do everything possible to avoid. In fact, in my personal life, I avoid conflict substantially more than I do in my professional life. But it was something I did have to learn um, because what would happen is exactly going back to the point I was making about when you're brought on to a job, you're brought on to achieve, they hired you for a reason. Something was not being done. They hired you because they thought you could get it done. And going back to the early days of my career, my wife and I made a decision that, so we waited five years before having kids. It was a plan. We had a five-year plan. And we said uh, that we thought for, for us, we want to have at least one parent stay at home for the first couple of years with the kids. That was a choice that we made. And we said, okay, whoever can earn the most amount of money will continue to be the sole provider in that window where one parent stays with the kids, which means, you know, the one who earns less money will be the one who stays home. We were indifferent. We didn't care about roles. If daddy was the one who stayed home, fine. Didn't matter. Um, and so for those five years, it was a race to see how much money I could make to make sure that I could provide for my family, assuming it was me that was that person. And, and I learned very quickly that that was a skill set that I had to have. Otherwise, they could dismiss me. Uh, they could replace me. Even more importantly, why it matters to money is if I had that skill set, they financially compensated me by giving me incremental raises all the time, much higher than the, you know, the cost of living because they wanted to retain me. And I learned that by watching others. I learned that by watching others. So the first couple of years, you're stupid because you're avoiding conflict and you're realizing you're just getting eh, raises and not progressing your career and you're frustrated. And you look at that other person who's had a skyrocketing career and you just go and ask them and you say why and they say this is why. And then it all makes sense. And you're like, okay, I didn't know that as someone young. I didn't understand 
the whole business side. They don't teach you that in, in, in college or university. They don't teach you that the business is there to make money. They have investors and you're hired because they believe you can positively contribute to that outcome. And if you can't, then instead of you being a facilitator to profits, you're actually the opposite of an enabler. You're pulling them back, you're reducing their profits and you're an expense. And when you're an expense, you got this big bullseye on you says to get rid of that expense. So choose well, you know, wise one. And, uh, and you will either have a shitty career or you will have a fantastic career. This is interesting. Why do you find it interesting? Um, there's an interesting piece in this where you learned how to do something that you hate in order to provide for your family. Uh, and you've learned this additional set of behaviors for a set reason. Um, can you tell me a bit about, you've, you mentioned your wife already, but tell me a little bit more about your family. Sure. Um, and by the way, you'll learn that three quarters of what you see in my professional side is not what you see in my personal side. So for example, I'm an introvert, right? Which, and people are always laugh at that. So, but the premise being is that my tendency is not to be flamboyant. It's not to be bold. It's not to be energetic. That's my tendency, my natural tendency. Uh, and I need time alone to recover, but I don't get that a lot in my leadership roles. So much of what I do is a projection. I had this conversation. I was, I was at a, I had my whole team together across the globe for a week recently. And one of them made a comment and I will answer a question about my wife. One of them made a comment about Daryl, when you're at the front of the room, I can't do what you do. Like you just own that crowd. Like, I don't know how you do that, but I can't do that. And I'm like, dude, I can't do that. And they're like, I'm confused. I'm like, no, no, no. The Daryl you see at the front of the room, it's a character like an actor. Think of improv. That's improv. That's not Daryl. That's Daryl playing the role of a chief marketing officer. That is a character. That is a role that's not me. And that character is flamboyant. That character is energetic. That character commands the room. But that's not me. Just so we're clear in that. And you can see them trying to get their head around that. That's what I've had to do is I've had to adopt roles to achieve the outcomes I wanted. And it sounds really like I'm a mixed personality, split personality. It's not. It sounds it, draining. It is draining. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. But that's the only way I've been able to have the success that I desire. Because I am who I am naturally predisposed to. So there's the first part. To answer your question about my, my, my family. Uh, so my wife, uh, I met her at university. Uh, I was, it was the first day of running. I ran for the student union president because I was tired of all those damn student union elected people pissing away the money that I gave my tuition. So I was going to stop corruption and graft, damn it. And uh, she didn't know me, but she knew somebody I was uh, in a class with and I was sitting at one table. She was, uh, he was sitting at another. She ran into him and, she, and on all the tables, I, I had put stickers, prayer for president. And she walks up and she's talking to him and she's peeling the sticker off the table because she's full of energy. And then when the sticker's destroyed, he turns and says, hey, Daryl, look at what Tracy just did to your sticker campaign. She's ruining it. And I'm like, oh my God, well, you have to put a new sticker on. This is like, you're going to get a vote for me, right? My wife is Miss Personality. She's the extrovert. Not Everybody loves my wife. She's an incredible interior designer. She's an incredibly nurturing woman. Um, she tolerates me. She understands me. 
Um, in fact, the funny part was she walked away to her girlfriend and she goes, that's the kind of guy I want to marry someday, but not him. <laughs> not him. And the reason it was not him was because I, I, I know was because I wasn't the physical specimen that she envisaged. She thought she's going to marry her father, you know, six foot two, slender, no ass. I'm five foot eight, big ass. You know, th th I am not the physical specimen that she thought she was going to marry. But I thought I was going to marry my mother, five foot one, blonde hair, you know, 100 pounds. And she's like five foot six, brunette. You know, completely different. But that's, that's, that's my wife. And, and uh, we laugh at it now. And so we, we really are polar opposites that help each other out. My kids are, uh, and my wife is, is the better, everything is better about me. You know, I'm a selfish bastard. I just want to sit on the couch. I just want to do what Daryl wants. And she's the one who reminds me that I have to help others out. And I have to, you know, that she's, she is empathy personified. She's reminding me about how others are struggle and we need to support others. She is my conscience and my morality. My kids have benefited from that. I have two kids. Um, I have a, a son. Uh, he's 28 years old right now, and he's a broadcast television journalist and reporter for one of the major networks here in Canada. And I have a daughter. And my daughter uh, is a blacksmith by trade, but uh, got into high-tech SaaS and now runs RevOps for a B2B SaaS company. And then the challenge we have on top of that, my daughter is married and my son is engaged, but the challenge we have on top of that is um, the kids are polar opposites. So when kids are born, there's the classic uh, nature versus nurture. And if you're a parent, you'll understand you can nurture certain behaviors, but certain behaviors of those kids are just a part of nature. They're just in their DNA. My kids are polar opposites. It, it's hilarious. My daughter had a rough upbringing. My son, very successful, popular. He was, lived a charmed life, uh, very gifted. He's had, he's had a lot of success through just good ethics and good workmanship. And just he's, 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 I'm, he's done well. My daughter was the opposite. She was the most, she was the loner. She was the outsider. She was depressed. She was cutting in high school. And eventually over time with the mental health crises, we eventually realized that her problem was she had gender dysphoria. So my daughter uh, is trans. So my daughter was my son and my daughter is now my daughter and I love her and she's amazing. But the challenges of family is when one of your significant members of the family go through such a life-altering decision where so many members of the extended family have opinions that influences a person's self-worth and their, you know, their identity and their confidence and whatnot, um, it really stresses a family. And you, know, you can run from that or you can embrace it. I never saw myself as a, as a dude who would embrace uh, the whole trans movement, the LGBTQT plus, I just didn't visualize myself that way. Not that I have anything against it. I clearly don't. But when your family member goes to that, you have a chance to make a decision. Either I love them and accept them and will support them, or they, 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 they reject everything I believe in and I'm disowning them. And to me, the decision was a no brainer. Uh, I love my kid. So my life has, my life and my family has gone a very different route than I ever thought I would go to. But along the way, I've been blessed blessed with amazing kids. They still talk to me almost on a daily basis. They call me up. They seek my advice. They've got incredible partners in life that whom I love dearly. So candidly, brother, I've just, I, I'm blessed. That's all I can say to you. 
We're gonna take a quick break here because Daryl used to be the CRO of Vanilla Soft, a software company that is somewhere in the same space as SalesLoft and the sales engagement space. Now, seeing as he spent a lot of time with marketers and CMOs, I wanted to ask him what the biggest challenge is that he sees CMOs having to deal with this year. I only get one answer. The number one problems that CMOs are facing at the minute is not converting the leads they create into actual revenue. Now that makes a lot of sense. Either sellers ignore the leads that their marketing teams give them, or they just call once, email twice, forget about them, and let the conversations die somewhere in the CRM. That's why CMOs buy SalesLoft, to hold their sellers accountable to actually following up on their leads, but also making it a lot easier for those reps to get conversations from these leads. The sellers get more deals, the CMOs convert more leads, and the prospects have a better customer journey. If you want to find out more, give me a shout on LinkedIn or go to the marketing use case on the SalesLoft website. All right, now let's jump back into the conversation. Daryl, I don't know anyone who's used such positively enthusiastic words and and uh, I feel like you lit up when you started talking about your your wife and your kids. Um, and now I f- at that stage, it makes sense why when we were talking about your work persona, how you described it as a um, as a mask or as a projection. Um, it feels like the, it makes sense now why you put yourself through, let's say (laughs) you call yourself an introvert as a, as a CMO who creates a significant amount of content and puts themselves out there every single day. Um, you, it, it seems like you've, you've, you've used the opposite of who you are as your modus operandi to get what you want for the people that you care about. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a marketer, right? Or even as a sales leader, you, you know, what does a sales rep get up in the morning? A sales rep gets up in the morning because, you know, sure, they may want to help people and they believe in their solution, but they also, I mean, they're in sales often because they enjoy the freedom that it allows them to control their fate and, and they like the big paycheck if they're successful that they can't get in another career. So sales is all about, you know, doing a role to achieve an outcome. Marketing is the same thing. For me to be a good marketer, I have to have a strong empathy and understanding of my target audience so I can walk a mile in their shoes, so to speak, and say, okay, now that I know their pains, and their challenges and frustrations, uh, I can market to that and I can I can message to that and I can help I can lead them along the way to achieve the outcomes they want. All that is is it's no different than a Hollywood actor in, in putting themselves into a role, right? For me to be believable in this role in this movie or in this production, you know, I need to know the audience, I need to know the character, I need to know the connection. Um so yeah, so yeah, I I projected what is required to be successful. It- to be able to play those to play, to play those parts but it is exhausting and and that's my wife laughs because it makes life her, a little bit easier to play that character when you have a good reason for it it does but you know what i've learned along the way is the importance of mental health i've seen it myself i've seen it with my kids so and i don't mind i've disclosed this before 
you know, I, I was a VP of marketing for the first time at the age of 29 and the age of 31, I had a, a, I had a nervous breakdown and it was because I was trying to do too much. I was trying to do everything for those around me who wouldn't do it. So for example, it was not uncommon that I've had somebody in my team saying, you've had such early success there, a way to go. I want to be you. And I would say, you want to be me? Yes. I'm getting a lot of heat at home. I need more money. I want to be you. Great. I'll help you. Come along with me. This is what you do. It's going to require a boatload more hours of your time. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. You want to be me. You got to put more time in. And it's going to be some sacrifices on the family side. And then they would go, oh, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I'm like, but you said that you're getting heat at home. I am. But she wants me home too. So she wants you home, but she wants you making more money. She wants you home, but she wants you going the career. Does she not understand? I tried. And then what would happen is I would own it and I would try to make them successful and I would put stuff at them and they would always say no. And then they would bitch and complain that they didn't get promoted. They didn't get more money. They, they wanted their cake and eat it too. And I owned that. And eventually that wore me down and I had a nervous breakdown because I was owning everybody's emotion and everybody's goals in life. And it, that was, I, I mentioned earlier on that I had to write my obituary. That was from that session where with, I only had a handful of sessions. It was, it was phenomenal. I had a phenomenal recovery. I was blessed. But she made me write the obituary. And when I read that, nowhere in there did the obituary say, and Daryl was a CMO. <laughs> and Daryl worked for company A or company B. My, prof my professional life didn't even want. And I wrote this, not intentionally. I wrote, okay, that's the exercise. Here, here's my answer, teacher. And, uh, and she says, you realize you've not talked about your work at all. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. How did I not see that? And, 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 and so through some help of some professionals, you realize that family is what matters. The job is a job. The job is a means to an end. And if I can make others on my staff uh, achieve their goals, get more money, have personal growth, be fulfilled so that they're happier in their personal lives, fantastic. But if they don't want to own it, that's not on me. And the biggest lesson I've had to teach other people, other leaders over and over again is, is that lesson right there. Is that, you know, for example, I work with a lot of sales leaders where they get so frustrated with their sales reps not hitting goal. And I'm like, you can't own it. They've got to own it. You can lead the horse to water. You can't make them drink. If they choose not to drink, it's not your fault. Now you got to get rid of them because they're affecting your a, a number and attainment that you're being held accountable for as a leader in the company. You have to get rid of them. Sorry, but that's not your fault. You gave them the chance. So it's teaching people not to get too high, not to get too low. And for me, the, my mental well-being was about knowing how to take care of myself. So now I don't get too high when my team gets all excited and I don't get too low when my team gets all pissed off at me. It is what it is. And it's all I can control. And at the end of the day, and it could be a 12 hour day. I turn off and I tune out and I go hang out with the family and I rest. And my wife's biggest complaint is that you talk to people all day long. You're, you're Joe talker. This talk, 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 talk. It's all I hear all the time. And then you come out to hang out with me and you say nothing. <laughs> I want that guy. And I'm like, well, that guy's tired as hell. So you're not getting that guy. So, <laughs> so that's where weekends are for. And weekends, you know I talk to my wife. On weekends, I talk to my wife. Um, yes.
I think when I first caught you at the very beginning of this episode, I caught work, Daryl. I caught the guy who was very much thinking about, who, who was playing that part. Um, and I think the more that we've gotten into this conversation, the more we've gotten into a, a, a version of Daryl that um, very much cares about work, um, but is more so appreciative and does everything for the family and the people that they love and support. Um, I also think that this idea of not owning other people's um, success is another one of those learned behaviors that goes against it is. your nature. I think when you were 28, 29, when you, or uh, 31, when you had that breakdown, um, yeah. your nature was to help everyone and to own everyone's problems. And as a result, you had a breakdown right. and had to learn to set that boundary in the same way yep. that you had to learn that if I could push through conflict, I could provide for my family. And if I could um, learn how to be extroverted and, and putting myself out there in ways that I haven't done before, that I could achieve what I want. And I, I it's funny that you, you, you commented on this in the very beginning of the episode. It is, there's very different versions of you in, uh, there's there's very little overlap between personal Daryl and work Daryl. And I think those of us who only see you on LinkedIn or only come across you in the professional space only really get half of you. Yes. But I mean, the ha what, part of what you do get that does overlap both sides is I do like having fun. And I do like my craft. And I do like the people that I work with. And I do like that we share our little time on this little rock that orbits this little star for a short period of time in the blip of history. We get to share in some common shared themes, whether it be marketing or sales or family or vacations or pets or kids. Those are all shared experiences that we all get to enjoy. And you know, the highlight of my day is that, and the problem I have on a professional level is that when I have my one-on-ones with my staff and maybe they're like, maybe we have 45 minutes to do this one-on-one. -on -one. My problem is I spend the first like 35 minutes saying, how's it going? How's your life? What's going on? Because I really care about them. But going back full circle, I learned that that's what was biting me in the ass as well because I was, you know, I was taking it in. And that's why you see me so big on accountability. These are learned behaviors. What I learned was this. What I learned was if I were to set clear expectations, if I was to get buy-in from my staff on uh, what they'll be accountable for delivering to achieve those expectations, and if they truly believe that those uh, milestones, those deliverables are achievable, they, in other words, they are, they are co-authoring that with me, so we are in this together, then we have a framework to avoid all the conflict. And if they understand that if they do their job and their colleagues do their job and I do my job, all of us will financially benefit. We'll have job security. We'll be able to provide for our families. We'll be happy in our jobs. If they understand that, then we live a pretty damn good life. So accountability is not about being a dick. When you think I'm a dick, it's often because you're immature and you haven't learned how to deal with conflict or you have a fragile ego or you're still growing up. 
And many of us are that way. We, we've all been there. But in fact, it's quite the opposite. Think of me as the parent setting the rules for the kid. This is when you get up. This is when you go to bed. You have to do your homework. You have to do the chores around the house. Other than that, you want to play with your friends. You want to go on Xbox or PlayStation. You want to read a book. Knock yourself out. Have a great childhood, right? Rules of engagement. So how do we begin? We began on Daryl's a dick because he expects accountability. But the reality is the accountability is there to make you a better employee and have more job satisfaction and provide for your family like I was able to provide for my family. Because I want the best for you. I think who doesn't want that a significant part of why you do all of this about um, and I'd lo- actually I'd love your opinion on this. I think a big reason as to why you do all of this and you and you you, you kind of <laughs> I I know for a, I I know from from my research that you uh, grew up playing chess. Uh, yep. And I think that that is a a bigger part of your why than we may have looked at before. A lot of what you do is doing what needs to be done rather than giving giving people what they need rather than giving people what they want. Holding them accountable and putting small levels of personal conflict in place to avoid the larger sets of, of conflict like you talked about there. Um, being able to sort of hold your, your wife accountable to things, as, as you said earlier, to avoid the larger conflicts that may come out of a, a smaller conflict um, coming out. Uh, putting yourself in discomfort in order to provide for the people that you that you love it's more of a uh like a grandmaster level of putting all the pieces in place so everyone gets exactly what they need where they need it and then at times making sure that daryl also gets what he needs so that he can keep playing chess so there's two, uh, it's, it's profound that you came up with that analogy because how I describe, people ask me often, why do you like your job? And the analogy I use is I view my job as a chessboard. No way. Which is, you're, now you're annoying because you you're, you're figured me out. And I view every person or every task as another piece on the board. I have the SEO person. I have the website person. I have the copywriter. You know, I have whatever. They all different, play different roles. But in when they're coordinated, and direct it at a shared goal and, and they're account- accountable to achieving that, we, win, we all win the game. So I like moving the pieces on the board. Yes, and how I approach it and the, the pieces of my own personal life are all about that. So your chessboard thing is inspired and you're annoying how well you knew that. But <laughs> the part that I tell people is, what... What do you want? Do you want nonstop conflict or do you want to get through the conflict so you can enjoy the fun? You know, it's kind of like if I go on a diet, listen, the first month sucks of the diet. Okay. I'm hungry. I'm tired of salad. I can't drink more water because I'm going pee 40 times a day as it is. It sucks. But then you get used to it and then it becomes normal. And then you drop 40 pounds and you're like, this is fun. I'm liking this. You go through, intentionally go through the pain up front so you can have way more time having fun. And I think it's what everybody wants. So are you avoiding conflict or are you engaging conflict? People could view it that I'm engaging conflict. I view it as I'm getting through the conflict so I can get to the good stuff. I don't think you stopped caring about people's feelings or caring about what people wanted or stopped taking it on. I think you just found a healthier way of, of uh, 
making sure that it happens instead of you pushing yourself to make it happen i think you learn to push them to make it happen on their side um i think the the, the sort of introverted daryl that is learning these behaviors is intelligent enough to do it in a way that fuels you continuously nobody pretends to be someone they're not for 12 to 16 hours a day every day in a work persona without some of their true nature pushing through and making sure that they're doing it for the right in the right ways and the right reasons and ways that refuels them um mm. and i think that's your why it's uh it's it's the intelligent introvert making sure everyone else gets what they need um while also doing so in such a way as not even consciously uh yeah, not even consciously doing so in such a way as they can um, they can make it happen without being in the limelight themselves. If if those who I interact with every day, whether they're employees or family members or friends, get what they need, then I'm happy. And that's all I'm trying to do. I have a job to achieve myself. I need to get something too. People need to be reminded of that. Um, we all have something. The shared common experiences we all have to achieve certain goals and outcomes to to live this life, whether that be to provide or to be happy or otherwise. Um, so yeah, think of think of me as a. I view myself as a facilitator. You know, an integrator. I read a book recently uh, called Traction, and they kind of said there's two kind of leaders. One's a visionary where they have like 30 ideas a day. And the other person is the integrator, which makes sure all the pieces are working together to achieve the goal. And both, you need both people in a good, successful company, by the way. Um, and I said right away, I said, oh, it all makes sense. My CEO, he's definitely the visionary. 30 ideas a day, of which 28 suck, and two are really good. Um, <laughs> and I'm the integrator, making sure everybody's working together to achieve our goals. So yes, I, you know, it's being comfortable in your own skin. That's at the end of the day, it's just being honest and, and, and true to who you are. We all have weaknesses. We all have strengths and embrace them. You know, I surround myself who compliment my weaknesses. And then I take ownership of the things where I'm strong at. It's, we're all here to have fun. That's all it is. Have fun, brother. That's what it's about. Will do. Um, and here's my last, my last question for you. After we've gone through your why. Um, Anyone looking at your content will see that it's very, very well put together, very, very well produced, and there's a, there's a layer of detail that goes into the quality of it. Um, to portray uh, this, this, this thing that we were talking about of someone who's happy and successful. Now, we're not going to talk about you being successful. Are you happy? Yeah. I mean, I wish I was, you know, independently wealthy. Um... And I wish I was about 40 pounds lighter. Um, and I wish my fitness was in better shape. But looking beyond those surface level issues, I, I have everything that I could ask for. And to ask for more would just be selfish. Uh, at the end of the day, I work for a cool company. I work with great people. They make me laugh. They inspire me. I've got a great family. Um, you know, I, I'm not suffering from a debilitating disease. Uh, I live in a first world country, all things in perspective. 
brother. All things, there are so many worse places that I could be than I'm not. So yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm content. I'm really glad to hear that. A big part of your why is helping other people. Is there anything anyone could do to help you on your side? That's a great question. Uh, Help me. Uh, You know, I could use more likes and shares on my comment, on my content. So if you could guys just, you know, blatantly, you know, follow me and give me pity comments and please don't add any opinions, just suck up and say, I sound great. And everything you said is brilliant, Daryl. That would really help my ego. So that's the only request I have. So there we go. So where should they go and do that? (laughs) By the way, if, if you thought I was serious, folks. You missed the whole conversation. Um, they can go do that on LinkedIn. That's the best place. LinkedIn or Twitter is where I like to hang out. So there, there we go. Nice one. Um, I will put the the the, the Twitter uh, link in um, in the, the the show notes here. But your, your your Twitter bio is opinionated, which I think is a great sort of summation summation of what we got we got to today. Yes. Um, thank you for coming on today. I'm really glad we got to to have this conversation. Um. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we we sign off on this one? Sales loft rocks in all sincerity, guys. If you're not doing sales engagement with the industry's best <laughs> product, then you are a moron. <laughs> Multi-channel, great sales sequences, mix it up, optimize, A-B test, and please, for the love of God, personalize, make it relevant, make it resonate. If you don't do that, get away from the bot, stop the templates, buy sales loft. <laughs> I knew somehow, some way, as a former CRO of a company that also is in the sales engagement space, you would somehow make me pay for having this episode sponsored by Sales Lab. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, well, look at Daryl. Thank you very much for for uh, joining us today. Um, I'm really glad we got to have this this conversation properly. Um, I think we sort of got into a conversation that I wouldn't have seen somewhere else and I'm glad that we I get to see and hopefully my listeners and watchers get to see a slightly different twang when they look at your content um, hopefully we get to have more conversations like this in the future and there you have it very early in the career of one of the best CMOs in the world Daryl learned that he had to go against his nature and pick up a pretty confrontational set of skills to do what's best for the people he cares about Daryl likes to pretend that he doesn't care much at all, but the problem is that he cares too much. And that's his why. That's why he pushes himself, that's why he pushes others, to make sure that everyone can win this game of life together. Even if he has to play the part of the bad guy in someone else's story. Huge thanks to Daryl for joining us today. I'm actually quite proud of today's episode. So, if you have any thoughts, ideas, criticism, please give me a shout on either LinkedIn or on Instagram. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode made you think about your why and why you do what you do. And I'll see you at our next episode.